Greetings for Ex Libris On Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Safe Passages. And joining me from Welcome California is educator Ex-Libris and author on air. Elizabeth and the Stories Perazza. behind Thank the you for joining stories me today. of today's literature and their authors. This is a short read, 80 pages. Uh, it is about your personal journey and a family's journey. And uh, one of the key ingredients that I had not heard before seeing your book was transporters. Share with my audience a little of this book. What was the genesis for this book getting written? Okay. um, I came to write this book because my husband and I have two kids who were troubled in high school. They're running away and making bad choices of friends. And we were forced to employ transporters. And the transporters are what this book's about, about the kids and transporters. I thought it was a unique vantage point to explore through writing. And who is a transporter? That sounds uh, sounds like a mechanical uh, train or something of that caliber. <laughs> right, I guess right. it's not. It's Trans- a real person, isn't it? Transporters are professional people who who come to a come to a family or a house or wherever the kid is, and will take the kid to the boarding school they need to go to. So your children ended up, your young adults ended up in uh, in a uh, protected environment. Is that uh, the way this story Correct. plays out? Okay. Correct, yes. Because I had never heard of transporters before, and then when we had to hire them, we, I learned a lot about them, and that's why I wrote the book. And your your young adults, your your, your guys, your your teenagers, uh, how did they respond? To, was this similar to, there are some shows on television called, uh, uh, that, are, that talk about interventions and, and that uh, approach to uh, young people who have uh, either drug or personal disorders that need to be addressed. Is this like an intervention that you have described in your book? Um, uh, not an intervention. It was just we, we need to get them someplace safe where they can finish their high school career and be safe and stay put and, and get away from the, some of the bad influences. And so that's what the transports, transports came to our house and took them for us to the school. And was there any resistance? I mean, did your young guys, uh, did they did they think, oh, well, uh, vacation, and I'm going to hang out with a bunch of other bad people, and we'll just... No, be... no. <laughs> no, they weren't very happy about it. No, they were not happy about it. I didn't think so. <laughs> what, uh, what type of resistance did you encounter? Um, Just just attitude, really. Just nothing nothing too major. That's, but that's why the schools have you hire transporters, because in case there is a, a major incident, the transporters can handle it, whereas parents can't always handle that. Uh, but we didn't have that didn't happen with us. Sure. It was just it just helped. Uh, parents are a little bit too close to the uh, firing line to uh, to really exactly you know get get the attention or respect exactly. they need. Yes. This uh, how long a story? I mean, how long did this uh, incident or these incidences uh, occur in your family life, and uh, how long did it take to get them resolved? In my family, in my personal yes, your personal story, yes. Um, uh, it took a couple months, a couple months, and then they're at the school. One was at school for about a year, and one was at school for about a year and a half. Interesting. Uh, the the uh, transporters themselves. Uh, you again, this is a unique uh, concept, a unique idea. It's a, a phrase that I had not heard before. Now. Is this only in California? Is this uh, worldwide? Uh, how would you describe this preoccupation or occupation or assistance that you received? It's worldwide. One of the transporters that we hired, he had been all over Europe. He'd been, he'd been all over America, all over Europe. And another one had just traveled around America. But, yeah, it's all, it goes all around the world. And it's not like Dog the Bounty Hunter, that show, is it? No. No, 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 no. No, no. no. Um, many of them are former police officers, and they just – 
and it's just a profession they just help help families out, help help schools out to get the kids there safely. And this the story that you have shared. You, you've done it in a narrative style. Is is it almost like a novel the way you have uh, have outlined it? Right. It's it's fiction. It's fiction. Okay. My story is fiction. I based it on transfers I'd met, but my story is fiction. Okay. Well, then then the story, the inspiration behind your book, uh, it is from personal. It is re- at least related or has some foundation in personal experience. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Very good. The names, spaces, and locations in your book are they also fictional? In the book, yes. Um, well, I used I used um, cities around the country because they do go around the country. I used Sacramento, Seattle, Phoenix, Dallas um, because it can it can happen anywhere, and it's current day. I thought so. It's modern time, and it's all around the country. What do you think is going to be the reaction to your book? Have you had uh, reviews of it as yet, or is it just fresh off the press? I've had a couple reviews, professional reviews, and uh, they liked it. They wanted me to write a sequel, which I'm trying to work on, um, and just keep it going, keep the story continuing. And are you still in the education market? Are you still a teacher? Did you resign? Uh, re- not resign, but retire? I'm retired. I had a disability, and I was retired from that. Ah, okay. So the creative side of your personality, has that been something that's been there forever, or did that just float to the surface recently? No, I've been writing for a long time. I've been a member of a writing group for about 15 years. And we've published a poetry book and a couple other things. And then before that, I'd written a couple teacher manuals on uh, instructions on how, how, how to integrate uh, social studies in English. And so I've written that also. The book itself, Safe Passages, how long did it take to complete? And uh, was it one uh, that you just sat down and began writing, or how did you go about doing so? It took about seven or eight months to finish. And I did just sit down and start writing because it was just it was just a unique perspective. I thought transport. I never heard of them before. I thought that's kind of something cool to write about. It's a new idea. Uh, your family's reaction has it been positive? Also, I'm sorry. The the, the reaction of your family members that have read your oh, book. What, um, how's that been? The, 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 my husband and one of my my sons thought it was good to like it. The two that had gone to the boarding schools weren't that happy with it. because so, <laughs> <laughs> they they had personal experience of transport and they weren't that excited about it so. well hey uh, that that happens and uh, probably yeah it was just a little too personal for them you yeah, know maybe a little another, too close to home i think well, another 30 or 40 years they may change their mind they may be very honored to have have a copy of your yeah, book maybe maybe we'll see <laughs> yes what 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 in your storyline because you did say that there are fictional uh, aspects of your book and perhaps uh, maybe you would uh, term it totally fiction what is the most surprising thing that you discovered in uh, in the introduction to to uh, transporters and also to the storyline that you created? Is there a, a, a what I would call an action scene or a creativity that popped to the surface that you hadn't anticipated? Um, I think the most rewarding part was just writing the, uh, the transporter stories because I wrote about their personal lives too. You know, cause I try to make them realistic, and so that was very rewarding. I enjoyed that a lot. And what do you want readers to take away from your book? Uh, this again is a uh, is a brief read. Is this really something that parents with children that are in crisis need to read, or is this uh, a tale that anybody will will find entertaining? I think um, I think it really helps. I think it would really help parents to see there are other options out there, 
and try to figure out a way to help their kids if they have trouble kids. And I think that kids dealing with difficult issues can also read it and say, okay, you know, there is a solution. I can't get through this and I can work through this. Because there are solutions for each of the kids that are in the story, that they work through their problems, their issues, and come back to their parents. And you, so I think it's kind of, it gives everybody some hope, I think. Well, that's, that's certainly needed in our uh, current uh, climate. Uh, hope is certainly uh, missing in a lot of uh, aspects of our society, especially with uh, right. young, young adults who are, are dealing with peer pressure and uh, just no bridle on their emotions in a lot of aspects. I, I see that even in my own grandchildren i am an old guy and uh, see them see them making decisions that just horrify me and i and and yet their parents think well right. that's just normal i go well it wasn't when i was growing up i'm becoming one of those people right yes right yes. right but uh, yeah i think i think it gives parents hope because there are a lot of parents that are just so forlorn don't know what to do and my husband and i have had different parents call us and ask us advice and and how to get a hold of transporters and how to get all these because they just need help and you know people just don't know what to do they just want to help their kids save their kids but it's hard to figure out how to do it it is very difficult uh, there are so many societal pressures on families and uh, and young adults in our world and thank, oh, so many and thank you for for being courageous enough to share your story in fiction form of course but still based on some of the experiences you and your family members have in, encountered the title of the book is safe passages my author who has joined me from california right. is elizabeth terrazas uh, where do my listeners get a copy of this elizabeth um they can go to my website, Elizabeth Calterazis, and they go to Sleepers with my publisher. Okay, and uh, spell out for my listeners your your last name or the website again for us, please. Sure. My my website is Elizabeth Call C A L L Terrazas T E R R A S Z A S. And they can do a uh, a search online and find uh, your other activities uh, as far as the writing uh, writing field Correct. have uh, have also uh, developed and will develop. And you you mentioned that you might write a uh, sequel to this. Is that something that you're working yeah, on? Yeah, I'm toying with it right now. I, I figure I might be able to get done this summer or start this summer. Congratulations on completing this. Uh, being an author and being a creative is a, sometimes a challenge. Uh, you've handled this very well. Again, it's done in, sure. in, in, in novel form, and uh, although there are some uh, some nuances and some nods towards uh, facts in her book, it, it really is a fictional work. Title again is Safe Passages, my guest author from California, Elizabeth Terrazas. Thank you for joining me today, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure for Ex Libris On Air. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. 
and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Welcome to Author Voices on Air, and I'm your host Rick Bell. Our next book is Descent into Darkness. The author explains that the title of this book came to her several months before she started to work on the book itself. Several questions about her true purpose in life, her life path, and her emotions and her desires and her fears, not to mention her pain, came up in the writing of this book. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the author, Maria Petrovic. Welcome to the show, Maria, and thank you for joining me. Now, this book is really about a very personal journey. And during the introduction, I mentioned to our listeners that the first thing that you came up with before you even started the book was the title, Descent into Darkness. Tell me how you came by that title and then how that progressed into the writing of the book Hmm. that's a good question um i had i had the title in my mind even before i started to write the book um in fact i had the title in mind when i was trying to plan my itinerary to travel to argentina and brazil um, because I was planning quite an extraordinary trip um, where I was planning to actually visit a spiritist or spiritual spiritualist type of hospital, uh, mental health hospital in um, north of Brazil with a practice spiritual healing. And uh, for me, it was, you know, uh, about six months and preparing ahead of time of you know before I even started the trip I had to prepare for the trip and I had to imagine and and think what I want to see and what I want to experience and what I truly wanted to experience is like um you know a deeper a deeper part of me and a deeper part of humanity in general where I wanted to actually find some sort of inner transformation uh, while I'm immersing myself into the trip um, in Brazil and Argentina. When you came up with the title, did you actually know that you were going to be writing a book? Um, I think it was more that it was a combination of things. So it was like some of my friends were asking me, when are you writing your second book and what will it be called? And then I just kind of jokingly said, well, descent into darkness, and um, and then I was uh, also, you know, like trying to follow my dream to, you know, travel to Brazil and you know see Rio and you know do some some quite extraordinary, different kind of things, um, off the beaten path kind of things, and um, and the title of the book, descent into darkness, seemed to just like fit 
each time I was like planning for the trip. And then when I went for the trip and after the trip, um, I started to write, um, like a lot and, um, and the title just made more sense. So I started to like prepare myself mentally into, you know, what I want to experience, what I want to see and what I want the reader to experience as well. Without giving too much away uh, about the book, give us a little insight to what the book tells the the reader. Mm. Um, well, it's it's hard to say in a, in just a few words, but it's essentially about self knowledge, a deeper type of self knowledge, and. Um, an experience of the exotic, like an experiencing exotic, um, exotic food, exotic culture, uh, exotic, unconventional religious practices, and even healing practices, and um, and how that can touch the soul on a deeper level, and how that can bring forth a new insight. Do you feel that writing the book? gave you any of the answers that you were seeking um, about your life and about your mm. direction, emotion, desire, all that kind of thing? Mm. Yes and no. So um, writing the book uh, didn't really answer any questions. It just kind of felt like I was moving forward. Like um, I would say probably like, something dark inside of me or something something dissatisfied some sort of discontent was moved forward and I could like breathe lighter but then um, there were other like new questions coming up and um, you know each time you um, immerse yourself in some sort of self-inquiry or self-awareness you feel you just start it again and you just start it again and, and it keeps you moving forward. Who did you write the book for and why do you think the book will appeal to that type of reader? Hmm. Uh, I think I, I wrote the book mainly for people who have um, a philosophical touch to them as maybe an artistic or adventurous t- touch to them, um, people who want to constantly explore something, constantly feel something, um, people who want to probably also heal a part of themselves as well. And what would you say, if you could choose one thing out of the book, uh, maybe the most important thing that the book teaches as a reader, what would that th- one thing be? Um, one of the things that the, the book can teach the reader is, um, to trust your inner intuition and just go for the dream or the adventure or the item on the bucket list. Uh, for me, it is oftentimes travel. So definitely I would love to encourage people to travel and uh, experience uh, new things in life. If I asked you to describe the book to our listeners in just one or two sentences, what would you say? What would be your description? The description of the book? Um, 
I personally feel that the book is more like a poem or it's a ballad. Um, it's it's not really fictional. It's not really non-fictional. It's kind of like in the in the it's kind of like a fantasy story or a ballad, or it's more a feeling that you capture more than you know. It's not like a, a story in and it's not a narrative or, or a fictional novel where you know there was a, a clear storyline. It's more. Um, thoughts and feelings and it, it resembles poetry much more than short stories and fiction if you walk into a bookstore and you walk to a particular section of the bookstore where you would find your book what would make your book in your opinion stand out for the reader what do you think makes it different um what makes it different, it's more of a, the, what makes the book different, it's more of a, like an extraordinary form of poetry and it's um, quite vulnerable um, and I feel that's the, that's the part that stands out a lot more compared to other literature, other books. Uh, where you know people can give advice to people all the time, but when the um, when the experience is a felt experience, then it touches a different part of your soul, and um, and it it can be quite um, transformative to read that. Now let's go back to the very beginning when you made this decision to write this book. It must you must have faced some challenges, as does any writer do. And on the other side of the equation, there is the positive side. There is the the buzz that you got out of writing book. Tell us about both those sides. Okay. The challenges that the, I experienced in writing the book um, was, first of all, I was like in an air, I was in a, in a moment in life where I had to make choices and I had to make decisions there, you know, could be pretty grave, could be pretty uh, important. Um, and plus I'm, um, I'm at an age where, you know, most people would consider me in a midlife, a midlife crisis or midlife. Um, so I was actually thinking of leaving, um, a job behind and I was thinking of what kind of life I wanted and what kind of, a purpose I have in this world and that was more um, of my challenge mine as Maria's challenge but um, as in writing the book the challenge um, for me as a writer was how do I how do I stay on point how do I not get too digressed in many different areas and uh, overwhelm potentially the reader with you know my backstories and side stories and it, it could feel quite labyrinthous you know um, but I, I, my, my challenge was how do con, how do I condense the story and how do I make it a flow in a way that you know I wanted people to feel it when you were finished the book, once that 
either we finished the manuscript, it had been edited, okay. it had been published. Did you ever feel, once you you know, once you read the complete book, did you ever feel, oh, I wish I'd written that part of it different? Would you have changed anything about it? I don't think so. That's a straight answer and very good. That that shows confidence. Um, has this experience of writing this particular book, I know you've written before, but ha, has your experience as a writer um, with this book and the other books, has it given you continued inspiration um, to continue mm. writing? And if so, tell us about some of the other things you've written and also anything that you've got in the planning stages or that you're working on mm. currently. Yeah. Yeah, so um, with this book, um, my previous book, um, uh, Search for the Holy Grail, um, was a bit more, it was a bit more um, like a narrative and had like a certain time to it. Um, And with each, it was also a travel novel or travel literature, um, but it was more clear and it was not as poetic or um, romantic almost. Um, so I kind of really felt very comfortable with this, like how my writing is moving into some type of poetry, some type of vulnerable expression of emotion. Um, and um, and I started to feel like this is kind of like more my kind of writing, you know, my kind of genre or my kind of like a way to express emotion and feelings and thoughts. Um, Going forward in terms of what I would like to explore further is this further opening of, you know, expression of emotions and opening to the reader in a step-by-step manner. But I'm, I'm experimenting with a different kind of style um, the the style is kind of like a, a journal entry style, like you, you write every day, you know, when you write your journal. But I I would love to like explore that further and maintain um, that like opening up and becoming vulnerable, uh, basically on stage or if you want so in the living room with somebody somebody reading my book uh, on their couch. Everybody has an, an ambition. So as a writer, if you could write anything, be it mm-hmm. um, a, a drama, a novel, a, a murder mystery mm-hmm. or something like that, maybe something that you currently feel is beyond um, your, you know, what you would feel comfortable doing, what, what would you write? What, what kind of book would you write? Um, um, if I could you know, further write, I would just write poetry. So that you don't have, you wouldn't want to write something that would be appear on the big screen or as a television series. You're quite happy. Oh, well, of course I would write that too. Uh, I would write that too, but um, I haven't really thought about a screenplay yet. Um, uh, drama is very interesting. It's very interesting how that's being written. Um, and I love drama. I love to read it. Um, uh, but I haven't explored anything like a screenplay. Um, I would love to write something that is, that will show up in Hollywood or, you know, s- somewhere on theater or whatever. Um, but 
again, my feeling is like I want to stick to like that part that's dreamy or romantic or poetic or lyrical. Um, but there is movies like that, yeah. In closing, is there anything that we haven't covered during the interview, we haven't spoken about that you feel is important for our listeners to know about this book and about yourself as the author? <laughs> Um, in closing, I would like to mention, though, that in this book, there was a, a sort of, um, there was a, a little bit of a love story or a little bit of a, um, you know, a failed love story, an un, uh, un, uh, what's unrequited love story, part of it. And, um, and that, that is a part of the book. And I am very much interested in love stories and um, similar uh, similar topics, love stories, unrequited love stories and um, romance and true love and that kind of dynamic between two people that is like on a day-to-day stuff, on a daily basis. And I feel there needs to be more written on love stories. And you can't argue with that. Thank you. <laughs> Descent into Darkness is published by Ex Libris and is available direct from the publisher at exlibris.com and all good books talk us. Once again, I would like to thank my guest today, the author and writer, Maria Petrovic, for joining me. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you having me. This is Rick Bell for Togonet Radio 2.0. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Only once every few years does a show come along that makes you think, makes you care, makes you believe the impossible. A show featuring only the best in writing, acting, and directing. Until that show comes along, we suggest Paranoria, Texas. Thrilled to the adventures of six super-powered nerds on a never-ending quest to take over the world and to complete their collection of She-Hulk comics. Paranoria, Texas, Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on AstronetRadio.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris. Greetings for Ex Libris on Air. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is German Tears. And joining me is uh, author of the book. Well, it's not really the author of the book, but it is kind of, sort of. Pauline Elifshire, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Well, and I may I will call you uh, actually Lottie, which is uh, the name you prefer. You have used uh, your mom's name as the author of this book, if I'm understanding the uh, the history. Yes. The book itself yes, is. I was to, yes, go yes, ahead. I was told to to get get a different name. Yes. Well, some people will will uh, tell you to do whatever, and uh, I'm glad that you have uh, published this. I will read the introduction of this uh, this particular book because I found it intriguing, and it really sets the stage for the contents of what you have shared. It says, "Countless blood and tears have been shed on German ground. Most men have either." been killed or disabled, even boys of tender age drafted into Hitler's army will never return home again. They have been killed in the battlefield across Europe, 
Continental Europe are frozen at the gates of Stalingrad. You uh, have included this because you grew up in Germany at the time of World War II. Is that also correct? Yes, yes. I, I came to Germany when I was 10. I, I was born in Czechoslovakia. In Czechoslovakia, so my book yes. Starts, yes, my, my, my second book is German Tears, and I start with Germany because I thought it needed to be told how much the German people suffered under that monster, Hitler. Absolutely. And your book, uh, is, it, is it dealing with uh, your personal family's uh, difficulties during that time? Yes, yes, it's a biography, yes. It's biographical in sketch and in type. Uh, one question that I, I don't know if is clear for me, were you folks, uh, was it, were you part of the ethnic cleansing or was it just the general state of, uh, of circumstances in Germany at the time? Well, uh, we were located in the Carpathian Mountains in Czechoslovakia for 700 years. And when the Russians uh, washed over us, they tried to kill every German blood that was available, you know, mm. even though we didn't want to fight for Hitler and he, was, uh, he would kill my uncles for not uh, joining him. Uh, we were sort of in between, you know. Uh, Hitler wanted to kill us for not joining him and the Russians wanted to kill us for having German blood. So it was really, really a hard, hard time. That's that sounds like a, you know, most of us when we think of Germany and World War II think of the ethnic cleansing of the Jewish population, but really uh, there was much more to that that time of stress than than just that. From what you're telling me. Oh yeah, Hitler killed at least three times as many of his own people than he killed the Jewish people. I used to cry for the poor Jewish people that were so, so uh, you know, uh, killed and, and, and innocent people and children. It was a horrible, horrible time. But nobody realizes that that monster killed that many more of his own people. Wow. At least three times as many. Yes, that's not well. That's not well known. And you, uh, if I may uh, divulge this, since you were born and uh, lived during World War II, are in your 80s now, but your memory is still fresh of the uh, difficulty that you and your family endured. Well, yes, yes. Uh, something that I experienced, you know, that's in my soul. My soul is in that book. I mean, it was just so horrifying because, you know, when, when you as a child, you know, stand before uh, a rifle and they, they offer to shoot you, you know, uh, any second, uh, it, it, it doesn't leave your mind. You never can get rid of the memory of it. Did you write your book to um, help heal personally, or did you just need to share this information so others who may not know of what happened in, in Germany during World War II will become educated and be on guard against something like this happening in the future? For both reasons, both reasons for self, uh, you know, uh, healing, and also I had to share it. I had to share it because I love people, and I had to wake up so many people, especially in this country here. Uh, this is still the best country in the world, even though we're not, we're not, you know, perfect. We're still the best, but people are asleep. They don't realize how horrible war is and how innocent the people are that are involved in it. You know, they get trapped into a situation, and then Hitler would kill his own people if they refused to listen to him. 
amazing, uh, difficult times. Most of us can't comprehend the, the depth of depravity that World War II and uh, war in general undertakes. I have a neighbor who uh, was in, uh, in the Vietnam War, and he's uh, still st- suffering from PTSD and other issues. In fact, sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll hear guns discharging from his property. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I know he's dealing with, with the, the great stress uh, that occurred during that time of war. The conflict itself uh, stayed, stayed with him, and as you've mentioned, stayed with you as well. You've, uh, you've outlined in multiple chapters uh, a recount of this in 146 pages. Uh, how long did it take to complete complete the the work, Lottie? Yes, yes. Um, the time I will never forget it, and of course I lost my roots because of the war. You know, when I was nine years nine years old, if they were dead or alive, you know. And my father accidentally found me, and then he knew where my mother was, so we got reunited again. And, and all the details are in the book, and, and the readers of my book, they say they cannot sleep. They they have to stay up all night and, and finish the book because they say they couldn't believe that I lived eight, 800 lives, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, life is so precious. You don't want to die, especially not as a child, you know. Mm. Because life is too precious, you know. Each day is a new beginning. You have, uh, in your book, outlined some of the uh, challenges of just finding nourishment, including uh, something that is not commonly eaten here in the United States, and that would be horse meat. Did that uh, is that something that became a common uh, protein source for you? Yes. Oh, that was so funny. My father didn't tell us for six months that we were we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to buy any meat, like maybe half a pound for a family of five, and you know, and and, and uh, my father would get half, and we got one bite. You know, my mother would sacrifice her share to give us children, and then one day, you know, because my father was uh, uh, making stones for for roofs, and he would. Uh, uh, instead of money, you know, get meat for his product. We didn't know that we were eating horse meat. And uh, one day he announced, you know, while we were sitting there eating Hungarian goulash, he said, you know, you're eating horse meat. Oh. And all I could think of is, oh, you know, <laughs> this is the horses and we all stopped, you know, looked at each other. And he said, you might as well continue eating. You've been eating it for six months. Oh, my goodness. And, and it was very good. After we were able able to go back to beef uh, it was not as tasty as the horse meat That's of course i never had horse meat again once we were able to you know get get the beef yes oh, wow you uh, one of your chapters deals with undernourished girls and a camp for those undernourished girls was that something that the german army or german uh, rulership or leadership instigated or was it some something else no, that was the American soldiers, the Americans. Oh, my God. They, 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 they came to the school, and they put lunches on for the children, and they picked out the undernourished children. I was one of them. I was 30 mm. pounds underweight. I looked wow. like I came out of the concentration camp, nothing but skin and bones. Um, I was about 5'7", but uh, I probably only weighed around 100 pounds. Well, anyway... Um, 
they picked us up, and uh, like 30 of us, and they took us to a camp for two weeks, and they fed us three good meals a day. And uh, I always had a respect for the American people, you know. They were my heroes. They were my saviors, you know. And from that time on, I always uh, strived to come to this country. I had the aunt that lived in Chicago, and I had never met her before, but that was my goal, you know, to, to, to stop being hungry. When you're hungry, nothing else seems to matter, you know, because your stomach growls all the time, and it, it's a, a horrible way to live. I would stand in line at a farmer's uh, a house where there was maybe 50 people waiting to get a gallon milk or a, or a quarter milk, and by the time I got to the gate, they were all out, you know. Wow. I wouldn't run. I wound up going home without any. Yes, hunger is a terrible thing. It definitely is. You have uh, included just a whole um, wide range of stories in your expose, in your biographical sketch of your early life and, and how you came to this country. Of those stories, uh, which of those is going to stand out perhaps the most to a reader? What do you think will impact them the most? Well, as the title says, German Tears, I wanted to impress uh, the people of the United States mostly that that Germany, German people were were also uh, hurt. They were hurt just as bad as the Jewish people, maybe even worse because of the, you know, more and more people were killed. And um, war is, is, is bad no matter in what country it is. The, the majority of people, they don't want to fight. Right. It's always the politicians that want to fight. They should go and fight each other, you know, in the field and leave the, the rest of the families that mm. that's trying to save, uh, you know, raise their children. They should leave them alone. They don't want to fight. Of course, when Hitler became famous, it's because Germany was starving. There was no no business there, no jobs, and the people were dying from hunger. So he promised jobs, which he gave them through making war machines and such, and um, and they were fed. See, so they loved him because they finally could fill their bellies. But then, when he became powerful, is when he became crazy. You know, wow. uh, power seems to really uh, corrupt people. Uh, a lot of politicians that start out, they want to do good, but then they get corrupt with power. That's uh, such a sad, sad, sad story. It definitely is. You you talk about Brother Roland. Who is he, and what importance does he carry in this story? Well, he was my brother that was born seven years later, yeah. But uh, after Roland, I had a, had a brother born, uh, Karl Heinz, three and a half years after Roland. I was, uh, let's see, seven years after me was Roland, and three and a half years after Roland was, was Karl Heinz. He was killed in a car accident. My mother wanted to learn how to drive a car. My father was very forceful, and my mother was very scared, and a bad storm came up, and my father pushed on the gas pedal. And uh, they, the, the rain pelted down, and in those days you didn't have seat belts. And mm. the, the car wound up into the ditch, turned over, and the poor child was thrown out the window and hit a field stone and died from it. Wow. There, there has been many, many sad happenings throughout my life. 
but God was always there to to help me, you know, pick up and hoping for a better day. You know, there's always a new day coming up, and if you don't like what's happening today, you know, just around the corner, I kept looking for that, you know, happiness, that, uh, that lucky day coming up. Absolutely. And that's still to this day. I'm, I'm 82, you know. Well, you absolutely can tell from conversation and and your demeanor that although there are challenges outlined in your book, uh, you are a positive person. You have found a, a positive outlook in spite of the circumstances, and I guess that would be the inspiration you want to share with your reader. Yes, yes. Like I said, you know, without a family foundation and faith in God, I don't see where there can be a happy life, you know. Family is so important. I mean, uh, used to, you know, the family stayed together, and now they go in all the corners of the world. It has changed so much. And uh, my grandchildren, they're, you know, uh, 1,500 and 7,000 miles away from me. Wow. And it, it hurts, you know. I yep. wish they were all close to me, you know. I'd be like a, like a chicken with her, like like an old chicken with her little hennies, you know, around <laughs> me. <laughs> that's, that's what I... I saw till I was nine years old, you know, but then, you know, everything changed. I never saw my grandparents again. After nine, I lost all my roots, all my my relatives, except I found my mother and father. Within about 10 months, I found them again, but life was never the same. Well, if I was a neighbor, I would be your buddy because I, I enjoy talking to you, and I, I love your stories and certainly the inspiration behind it. Uh, for my listeners, the title again is German Tears written under the name of Pauline Ailisher and uh Ailisher, yes. Ailisher, yes. yes. And I will spell that for my listeners. It's E L I F S I'm sorry. E L I F C H E R. Yes. C H yes. S C H. Yeah. Yes. E L I S C H E R. Ailisher. It's a good German name. Yes. And my my uh, maiden name was Stiffel S T I F F E L. Yes. Well, they can find it under that name, under under Pauline Ailisher. Thank you Pauline for Pauline Ailisher. Yes, yes. Yes. Would you yes. Would you tell my listeners how they get a copy of your book? Um, it's on Amazon and also through uh, Ex Libris. Uh, I believe there's one more, but I forgot. That's okay. They can also order it from their local bookseller. This is uh, this again. Although it's a, a personal story, it's uh, engaging in so many ways. It reads like a novel in some respects, and uh, yet it uh, deals with the inspiration behind uh, facing difficult times and overcoming them. Uh, Lottie, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. And I would uh, certainly uh, suggest for listeners they can find it under the name of the the book, the title German tears. Thank you for joining yes. me today and sharing your story. Thank you very much. My pleasure. For Ex Libris on Air, this is Jay Douglas Barker. <laughs> <laughs>